But one thing that happened after the pandemic, like people were just like caught in their house, right? So mm-hmm. when they came out, like I heard this recent news about how the economy of India, just because the purchasing uh, spirit of people has actually increased. And recently, you hosted, you were part of a massive show in India as well. How many people did you see recently? DJ, DJ Snake. Snake, right? Yeah. That was uh, yeah. in Gurgaon. So that's not common. 12,000 people. That's not common. It was the Elevate? next decade, right? Yeah, Elevate was the decade. Oh, oh, we yeah. have a dog. Yes! No, no, no. <laughs> I've held on to this it. This can be in the bloopers. Guna, Guna will come in the bloopers. Guna, take the bloopers. Sorry, Guna. We love you. Sorry, I love you too. Hi everyone and welcome to Don't Run Into Glass, a podcast hosted by TheCitizen.in. I'm Gayati. And I'm Anika. And Anika, what are we chatting about today? Today we're chatting about a certain culture of music that has been coming up in the past 10-15 years. And it's a really curious culture but it's dense, right? And we're talking to the man behind it, I think. Do you know Box Out Wednesdays that used to happen at Summer House yeah, yeah, all the time? Yeah, we used to go for that. Like boiler room scenes. Yeah. Uh, so, Mo. <laughs> Hi, Mo. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hey. So, we're talking to Mo, who yes. uh, I think has is a reservoir of these stories, right? Yeah. That come out about this crazy music scene that came up. And I just want to know how it grew. So, yeah. Music scene, I guess, uh, started here in Delhi, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, it used to be just that we would play music at people's house parties, uh, after prom, after grad, and through that we met a bunch of like-minded people really early on that we started making music together. And initially it started with hip-hop, and it evolved over the last 20 years to what it is right now, which is uh, more than just a genre. I don't work with one style only, I work with culture in general. But that's what you decided to start with, hip-hop. Yeah, that and was... And what year was this? This was 2001, yeah. 2002. I was just going to say, yeah. I think I've known you since 2001, 2002. Yeah. And at that yeah. point in time, you wouldn't have said that Mo was kind of like spearheading the scene. This was just, it grew organically. Like, yeah. I remember he used to like play at parties and like... There was this whole hip-hop crew, Oxygen. <laughs> what RPM. were the top spots of that early 2000s that we oh, used to always nostalgic go Nostalgic-wise. RPM, Chanakya Puri. <laughs> yes. Uh, Oxygen, Odyssey in Gurgaon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These yes. were the spots. See the club, see the club. Oh. Five, 500 rupees all you could drink vibes. And there know? was this also <laughs> this one very big club that had come Elevate. up. Elevate. Elevate. That's where yeah. we That's do our right. first party ever. As officially as Aftershock Records on the 17th of August 2007. That's the first time I appeared as a DJ on a poster and it just said DJ Mo. And <laughs> then I realized every Lebanese wedding DJ is called DJ Mo. <laughs> so I had to get a bit innovative and find a way to extend my name to something more SEO friendly before even knowing what SEO was. And that's how it be- became Mo City. And that's where we started as kind of like as a performer professionally, you know, where it wasn't just a hobby anymore. We were putting on shows and that was in Elevate, Noida. 
It was the only nightclub in NCR that would go until 4 or 5 a.m. Yeah. I remember that. We remember that. Remember. that All was, the big artists. We, had, we used to plan a couple of weeks ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah to go yeah. there. So, to know? see a show. Yeah. To see yeah. a band, exactly. a rapper, a singer. That was the first kind of concerts, club experience that was yeah. blown up, you yeah. know? Yeah. But now, you know, now that we've asked you that question, I realize that some of these places are quite pivotal to the emergence of the music scene in, music in, scene. in, in India. Yeah. Sure. You know, like including Elevate. Like yeah. these were the places that gave a platform to musicians. For sure. At that time, a lot of the people were just sort of doing it as a hobby. They were doing it part time. They were doing it for fun. Um, you know, it just starts with the club and then becomes a subculture at some point. I've yeah. always noticed like, you know, yeah. So you're, yeah, you were in that. So that's 2007, 2008, and then there was a place called Decibel yeah. at Samrat Hotel. That's where I really kind of got involved with it. It was every Wednesday and Saturday where we were doing these events at this venue. Somewhere there, somehow decided to do a Bob Marley party, and then it turned into Reggae Rajas, uh, which was India's first reggae collective band sound system. I started that in 2009 with Zorawar and Raghav. So we kind of moved on from hip hop into reggae and dance hall as hip hop was getting a bit too commercial at the time. And yeah, then we moved to TLR Cafe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. In Hot Cars. That was the next decade, right? Yeah, Elevate was the decade. <laughs> Yo, the dog's coming. Oh, oh we have a dog. Yes! Pankaj, just call your band, please. Yo, 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 yo. I've Just held him, I've held him, don't worry. I've, 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 I've held on to this him. This can be in the bloopers. It's going to become in the bloopers. I'm like, yo. It's going to be in the bloopers. Sorry, Guna. We sorry. love you. Sorry, I love you too. Hey. You know, I was looking at him from the corner of my eye and I could I could <laughs> He was like, your, your dog is coming. Your dog is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, looking at him. Is that planned? No, uh, I could see him and I was like, God, Guna, don't come here, don't come oh here, don't come here. And I couldn't focus actually till, till now. now. No, I was, I was ready for him. I was like, I'm just going to catch his collar. I know my plan. Because I'm like at the first action. Right? Bring out the vodka then. Bring it now. But yeah, so 2009, 2010 was the whole TLR cafe thing yeah. where things started to happen in Hauskas village. A bit of culture started to develop around nightlife outside yeah. of just going to decibel or orange room you know like this is true because hoskars village was the first spot where you felt like you could go and you could walk into one bar or another and there you would always be something in a, in happening in a particular yeah. place yeah but you know that brings me to like actually more if i wanted you to do a listicle for me right like i would say more tell me the clubs by the decade right because like elevate yeah. was like what Early 2000s, 2005, 2003, 2004, 5, and then you had TLR that was like 10, 9, 10, 11 kind of thing. We used to do parties at the Love Hotel. Oh yeah, that was the other one. By AD Singh in Select City Walk. In Select City Walk, yeah. Then there was, yeah, I mean, there's so many venues. That that could be a cool coffee book idea. I might explore that. Indian clubs by the decade. And for us, it's nostalgic because it's like such definitive parts of your growing up for sure. uh, years in Delhi. For I sure. mean, we're all people who've like lived here our entire lives pretty much. And uh, we always sort of look back at like these 
places that were such a pivotal part. So Elevate, uh, Climax, if you guys remember Climax. Oh yes, I do remember um, Climax. Or uh, some of these places, we just look back at them, it's, you know, they were key moments in our lives. It's where we made all our friends, sure. where we sort of, uh, yeah, where, where we, we all got close, probably yeah. getting smashed and yeah. being hung over the next day. It yeah. was very close. We were like linked. seven girls in a car, you know, coming up, by <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That did happen sometimes, but yeah, uh, Clubs by the Decades is like awesome. So hip hop to reggae, hip -hop right? to reggae. And then it's like you're getting deeper into this music scene yeah. that's happening around these times. Yeah, yeah. So how did that feel like? And what did it look in other cities in, yeah. in India? Uh, at that time, we were primarily performing in like a Bombay, Bangalore, Pune. We weren't going to too many cities. Uh, it was still limited touring circuit for what we were doing because it was so niche. But once we found a connection between dance hall and like Desi music like Bhangra or UK Bhangra style, we started to be able to merge those sounds and make it a bit more local rather than just playing music from Jamaica. So Zarawar and Diggy would start singing and uh, that evolved a bit our performance and our reach because we were doing it more with a local flavor. And I would say as a performer, uh, that was the the primary touring time for me in India as with Reggae Rajas where we would play like five, six city tours every two, three months. Because you really captured this genre. We yeah, were, I was mean, like we're, unrepresented. We're the only ones who yeah. were doing it, you know? And that seems to be like a common thread in most of your things. You're picking out these things that are unrepresented, which I find mm. very interesting, but we can yeah, come, niche, yeah. like a niche thing yeah. and trying to present it on a bigger scale and giving the option of something different. At that time, it was primarily EDM music, like Sunburn Festival, if you remember, yeah. it was such a hype thing. Big like, scale, yeah. There was no magnetic fields. No. We were going to Sunburn too. Yeah. It's not like now Sunburn might be commercial, for example, people yeah. say that, but we were still attending those festivals. Absolutely, yeah. There was nothing else. But now it's evolved into like 15 different festivals, different desert experiences. I don't know, it's just feels like a like a thing now you know it's not it's a throbbing scene yeah, actually yeah. Yeah, yeah and i think um, someone like you has been on the cusp of it you've sort of seen a transition from this very new unexplored sort of unorganized mm. uh, space to li literally like a very legit uh, industry right sure. like you have some products now and some festivals and some artists yeah. some labels that are sort of doing things at a very global international yeah. level yeah. in India yeah. and 20 years ago we could have never imagined no. that right yeah. like so you've been at the helm of seeing that change yeah um, did you think that it would have you know that India would sort of like grow into having this thriving scene or were there parts of your like journey where you've kind of felt like what am I even doing like am I just wasting my time or I, I never really thought that like about where no I always knew this was the thing to do and to pursue and uh, especially more after I spent some time in Dubai hmm. and saw the commercial side of things as a business and not just as a hobby, as a performer, as a touring artist. I knew you could create an ecosystem, create jobs in a field that doesn't exist. So from my experience in Dubai to moving back to India, I knew the mission was to continue being part of the ecosystem and develop it to allow for the scene to exist, uh, whatever micro, macro, niche level it may be. It gives birth to things that are way bigger than what we are known for. 
yeah, yeah. that's a fair point and um, I think my other question would be like what would be the difference between the scene in Dubai now that you have had a bit of experience mm. there and let's say in India I don't think we're at the same level as no. the scene in Dubai we're not yet right no I think Dubai is just like a global city like London Berlin New York it also has a very high spending power yeah so people have access to funds therefore as a promoter or as a festival organizer as a venue you can offer a variety of performances or experiences that people can pay for yeah here in Delhi or in India you know for example the ticket prices at least at our events we try to keep them very minimal to allow people to experience these events I'm not with the idea of selling a ticket for a club experience anything above 500 rupees yeah it's usually 500 rupees door but entry that's, that's, what that's it reasonable is. you yeah. know but there are events here that are charging 5,000 rupees yeah. for example then you're immediately alienating a lot of people you know who like are the largest population here to attend any of these yeah. events that's why we're very mindful of where we do our events going back to the difference between Dubai and India I feel like now it is a thing here too maybe 10 years ago it wasn't a full like ecosystem or now there's like there's labels, there's artist managers, there's multiple festivals, there's uh, media outlets. Now it's a thing. It's so the difference before we were just like exploring it, but now it's it's a job. Like we we build culture, we put yeah. people on. We but this is like I want to like break it down, unpack this a little. What used to be called the scene is mm. a full-blown industry right now. Yeah, industry. Right? Yeah. It's an yeah. industry that, where there are so many roles. There's a, there's a club, there's a club promoter, there's a DJ, there's a music curator. There's yeah. So my question to you is, tell me what the industry in South Asia looks like right now. Mm. Like what does it, two ways to answer this. One is, what are the different roles that need to be played to build a massive successful festival? Yeah. And second is, um, I forgot the second. Okay. <laughs> I just forgot it. I got so into the first, but please. Anika has had a, uh, about two glasses of uh, vodka yeah. and soda. <laughs> I'll tell you in relation to what I'm doing and to the work that I'm part of, you know, so we have Box Out FM as a radio station, which is a media outlet. Under that, we created a record label to release the music. On the side, we also have an agency to manage artists, to create content, to go with the other things we do, like Box Out Wednesdays, which is a flagship event that we've been doing for six years. We've also recently launched a jazz festival, Jazz Weekender. Yes, um, which was supposed to be this. This was supposed to be this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Got postponed, postponed to Feb due to a recent dry day that was announced. And these are kind of the obstacles you have to work around yeah. in to India. do things in India. Because in India, I guess if you get, get a license, it's not guaranteed, right? There could still be like a, you mm. know, a loophole that throws you in a spin last minute. Yeah. Sure. Like, you know, suddenly yeah. we decide it's a dry weekend or sure. suddenly we yeah. decide sure. it's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So these probably things are, these are the parts of organizing events in India that are probably not as ironed out as mm. they are in the rest of the world. And they don't allow for full creativity. Yeah. So the focus becomes more on like, like crisis management yeah. or figuring things out last minute instead of producing that best possible experience someone yeah. could have yeah so no i've had history of working with mo and he is serious yeah. about his music curation so we started off we were doing this uh, Anika, uh firstly one second have you worked with everybody every podcast guest that we have brought on board i think you have worked with them 
I think this is a theme that I'm just realizing. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a, no, anyway, but we yeah. had we had this <laughs> we, we we put up this incredible show for India Affair, right? And it was Manstar Base and Mo being like you know shepherding all the operations and everything off it. Like this man's attention to detail used to piss me off, but <laughs> <laughs> used to piss me off. But man, when the show went up. It was like a music festival in this little hidden place in Chhatrapur. Yeah. Despite everything and fantastic art, and uh, these guys have great taste in art as well. Um, and they put up this show, and the music choices. So there was this guy called Diggin in India. Uh, mm. By his Instagram name is yeah. Diggin in India. Yeah. Nishan Mittal. And he was using vinyls and playing over there, you know. And then we had Lush Lata who played like an. Inc I was dancing, but when I was organizing with this guy, right. He was incredibly professional. Like once I called him and he said uh, he was coordinating multiple events at the time. And I said, I have a new idea. He's like, idea, email it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, no. So mm -hmm. there is now it's becoming an industry because of people like you who are mm -hmm. like, let's do it right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and the music curation was something that they put together that was so appropriate to yeah. the environment almost like wabi sabi right and that brings me to understand like how do you also kind of explore you're like an explorer of music mm. in south asia as it is coming up how do you explore and choose the direction and then this industry aligns to it you know yeah explore yeah i guess exploring through like i used to do a radio show so through that i browse a lot of music i have to present a one hour show every week and the idea was to always keep things fresh. And I would say through the radio show, I was able to discover a lot of artists, crews, collectives from all over this region that were not known and be part of their journey, becoming more known or present, presenting them in a better environment. Like digging in India, he's great at what he does. You just never seen him before that. Yeah. So all he needed was. You're that. really finding these people, you know. You're yeah. finding the uh, building an aesthetic of music. Yeah. It's, it's easy to work with the best. Uh, it's easy. Yeah, but to, that's boring. To just book to the biggest names. To hear the same names. thing over and over again. You but know? I would <laughs> rather like put the people on before they uh, like grow to that. And uh, I guess we're always like a couple of years ahead of the. God. scene or whatever sound or people might be into you know uh, so it's a gift and a curse and you gotta take both sides of it and figure out how to balance it out you know because yeah. you see a lot of people succeed and you might not be part of that journey till the end mm -hmm. so you end up figuring out how do you learn from those experiences to improve your next relationship with an artist or a collective or a brand or yeah yeah that's a I mean we have noticed that I think that's why we wanted to bring you on as a guest on this podcast not just because of your own journey with your own music and yeah. your events and you know uh, how you have grown in this space but also the fact that you do seem to be giving back to the community in a way you're looking out for artists that are starting out and giving them a platform let's say at India Art Fair and things yeah. like that yeah. so there's a bit of both you know there's a your own journey as well as um, collaboration uh, with other artists and for me I think what's linked to this observation is the fact that like there's an element of friendship mm. in this entire community like sure. I mean we 
I got to yeah. know you. I'm not that I have anything to do with the music scene, but I got to know you as somebody who knew but friends of mine. But you were at most of them. Sure. <laughs> I was a I attend. Ah, but you were there. I everything. Hello. Um, and uh, I noticed now that you know you sort of work with Matt Star Bass, yeah. Reggae Raja, Sahaj, yeah. Duelist. Yeah. Yeah. But you're yeah. also you're all also friends. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just want to know a little bit about how that works. Where does the friendship help the creativity, and where does the friendship hinder the professionalism or help the professionalism? And is it, I mean, is it just that you guys look for like-minded people or is it that musicians and artistic creative people can just get along with everybody? I think <laughs> the second, the last one, I'm not sure not about. Sure. It's <laughs> probably the most difficult to get along, you yeah. know, uh, on a real level, especially if you want to do work that impacts slightly things bigger outside of your circle, yeah. you know. And for that, it really takes time and communication to, to stay friends and to stay working together. Because a lot of the time, as a, we, we function on passion. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotions involved in everything we do. So you have to kind of manage all of that. Your emotions, the artist's emotions, the, uh, the friendship, the, I would say, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, again, be friends with everyone. Yeah. But there are great friendships that evolved into great projects like Matt Starbase, like working with Duelist Inquiry, like Reggae Rajas, for example, we're all still friends. We speak yeah. daily, you know? Uh, but that is also unique. It, it's depending on the people and the time. And like Matt Starbase is now a brand that people know or a project that people know. But we, were, we knew each other from 20 years ago. Yeah. And that's where we started Aftershock Records which is the hip-hop label we started in 2005. So Aftershock Records has been around for almost 20 years? Yeah, kind of. Oh, wow, of. I yeah. didn't really realize that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, at that time, we were called a label, but we weren't putting out music. We were, like, uploading things on, yeah. like, MySpace. Yeah. Uh, we weren't a fully functional label as, like, as we are right now. Uh, we were a collective of people promoting music that we loved. Yeah. And uh, it went on to kind of, you know, just go on sleeper mode. And then in the pandemic, reactivated that. I guess the pandemic allowed people to go through those ideas that may have been like put to sleep and bring them back. And it was a great time to have a hip hop label in India. So was the pandemic, I mean, and I know this is a very cliched question, so we don't need to spend too much time on it. Yeah. But I think it's very hard to like speak about like, creative spaces without like speaking about how the pandemic changed it a little bit yeah. and we were talking earlier and you said that you know you sort of uh, deleted a lot of your social media presence yeah. during the pandemic because yeah. you felt that artists were kind of like being forced to just put stuff out digitally like that was their only recourse and you kind of needed a break from that so just tell us a little bit about how things changed in the pandemic and have we bounced back from it completely or are we still recovering figuring? definitely still, still recovering still I feel like at least here in this region, it's going to take a while to kind of bounce back fully, yeah. you know. Uh, and the connection to social media, the pandemic, artists, creativity, it felt like everyone was forced to be putting out things yeah. because everyone was at home or everyone was expected to have a specific type of output. But it doesn't always like, uh, it doesn't always work out that way. So I thought for some time, just take these breaks from being online uh, as an artist. I yeah. mean, we have multiple projects that are online. You cannot 
be offline. Like that doesn't exist anymore. At least for me, like I don't know how to be offline completely. I mean, Box Out FM was uh, exclusively online, yeah, right? It was it an is. online. It is an online yeah. platform. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that was doing good because it was already online. Yeah. We didn't need to move online. We were already online. All you had to do was press play and listen to what we were curating. But uh, as a social media requires a lot of your time. Yeah. So I wanted to take that time and put it into releasing music, like Aftershock Records and yeah. other things we worked on, rather than just posting memes that I didn't I even understand. I love posting memes, okay? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't love get it. memes. But I, I, love I actually agree with Mo on this, because one of my pet peeves with social media is that like everyone thinks that they're a creator. Sure. Like, I mean, the type, and I think the pandemic actually hastened this process, mm. because there was a time where you only put out content that you thought was like, actually good it had some production quality or you'd worked on it a little bit now like the number of reels that i waste my time seeing i mean some are brilliant yeah. sure. but like 99.9 percent .9 are utter crap and Quality like this content. whole thing of just having to put out content for the sake of being relevant yeah. like it's exhausting so yeah. i kind of like yeah. understand that completely but yeah at the same time you have to still remain relevant in the digital space it's but difficult one thing to do that actually but one thing that happened after the pandemic, like people were just like caught in their house, right? So mm -hmm. when they came out, like I heard this recent news about how the economy of India, just because the purchasing uh, spirit of people has actually increased. And recently you hosted, you were part of a massive show in India as well. How many people did you see recently? DJ, With DJ Snake. Snake, right? Yeah. That was uh, yeah. in Gurgaon. So that's not common. 12,000 people. That's not common. Yeah. And that's happened so even after the pandemic. I feel like some places it's had like there's an explosion that's happened. Yeah. And do you think that the, during the pandemic, I, I bet people were listening to a lot of music, a right? Lot of music. Yeah. And for for curators of music, for musicians, it was an incredible man. Lots of people like my sister is six years younger than me. All those girls that generation were into Pratik Kuhar so hard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was damn insane, man. It's it was still like insane. all the time, like oh my god, my sadness, my pandemic sadness, <laughs> and Pratik Kuhar. I mean, he's doing great he's like he's, he's, like, massive. he's massive he's, massive. he's, he's really successful. great yeah. he's really great musician yeah. as well but my sister really introduced me the wrong way you, know? you right? know there's a lot of this like teary soulful music emo. that emo stuff that but a lot of music <laughs> was created during that time a lot. and yeah. now then people get to go out it's, it's how's the scene now scene is great <coughs> uh they're calling it like revenge partying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. I am a part of the revenge partying club. I must admit, I I don't have the capacity that I did in my twenties. But I am up. I'm there in theory. I might pass out at one a.m. But I. I'm, You'll go. I'm, You'll I'll go, go for a bit at least. I'll go for. I mean, yeah. I'll go with the intention of like making it until six a.m. Okay. It doesn't happen yeah. very often yeah. anymore. But I try. Now, yeah. But yeah. it is true. People are revenge partying. I think we've all been so sick of being cooped up that. Um, Everyone's back to. It's also not the revenge doesn't only come from being cooped up. There's like so many reasons to have revenge uh, feelings for you know. Like life is hard now. Mm. You know, like smells like smoke right now. Even though I'm sitting outside, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's crazy. But this this revenge partying scene, like because one of the we did a lot of stories on this. We spoke to a lot of artists and musicians during the pandemic, and it was kind of like people were in a very dark space, especially creative people that were relying on let's say events and shows and live performances for their bread and butter yeah. and like that just completely disappeared and there was the anxiety that will never come back sure. do you think it has come back like a, is it it's a lot of people quit also yeah like they quit. stop being in music or creative spaces or just took on jobs just yeah. for survival you know not yeah. everyone was able to find a way to make it work so i think for that that damage you cannot repair yeah. you cannot fix 
things are back. People are trying to make up for the time lost or whatever it is. Also, during dark times, a, a lot of great art is made. Yeah, this is true. Because the feelings need to be somehow converted into something, whether it's a music piece or painting or an event or a dance performance. That sound, that experience isn't necessarily the vibe right now because people now want to be happy. Yeah. True. So yeah. you have a lot of this music that was created that isn't used right now, for example, that's also gone unnoticed. But now people are creating new things that are more relevant to the times. And uh, I don't know. A lot of music was sad during the pandemic, yeah, you know, nice. like... Uh, yeah. What so was that most famous Aurora or something, you know? There was this one song that was on every, like, sad reel. Mm. And I was like, I can't even. Yeah. I can't even. <laughs> you know? yeah. no, it's, it's better it's, times. It's better times. For yeah. sure, it's yeah. better times. And I think we've seen that. So for you, more like we've seen, okay, like we spoke about, it went from um, reggae rajas and the whole hip-hop reggae scene to, like, dance hall and then... Mad Star bass kind of a genre. Duelist, which is more mm. electronic. That was yeah. pre Mad Star. That was pre Mad Star bass. That was pre Dubai. Uh, Duelist Inquiry. Yeah. And went into Dubai, did a couple of years in Dubai, came back, did Box Out of M, where we broadcasted as a radio station, but recently we retired the FM. Yeah. And it's become an archive of the last five years of broadcast. It's actually Amazing. my work music. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly. It's been my work, because I went to SOAS, right? Yeah. So when I first heard Box Out FM, uh, I remember I actually met Mo for the first time in your house yeah. at a party. And he was talking about Box Out FM. And he said, oh, now you can, you know, there's a website and stuff like that. And I was like, can you put it on my phone? And he put it on my phone. And I started listening to it. And in SOAS, in our uh, university cafeteria, they used to play very similar curated, mm. eclectic, global music. Yeah. Like, you know, from the beats of Azerbaijan to like reggae from some other country. Yeah. To like, And it was like fantastic. And Mo's playlist was that, yeah. you know. Amazing. So there are two uh, work music that I have. One was Box Out FM and the other one was the Silk Route project that I used to really like. That used to play Central Asian like okay. traditional music nice. when I need to like you know, classical mode. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you need to so write. Yeah, it's actually a fantastic archive. Honestly, I feel like that archive of music that you found, explored and put together yeah. and the conversations in, in the middle, yeah. now I can recognize a Mo voice from any you know DJ mm. set sure. because okay. like <laughs> I've heard it so many times, right? Especially it's a fantastic archive. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe or no, but it's a fantastic music library. It's it's it actually is. really really great. Yeah. I really appreciate. And that I mean, during the pandemic, it was also really great to see some of the artists that we follow, like in your studio, sure. uh, DJing live, sure. and because we didn't have access to this yeah. in real time, right? Yeah. So having that sort of digital access yeah. really um, was very important kept during. People yeah. It kept people together. It kept that sense to, of community, yeah. which is very crucial. Even on crucial. the chat room or on whatever, the chat rooms. like people would interact. And for a while, people thought this was the future of partying. Mm -hmm. Like I had this conversation with my sister-in-law, like they run Bhavishyavani, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. CC. Of course, of course. So we had this conversation because they were locked. They were here during the pandemic and they were like, this is going to be the future of like partying. It might be online. It might be very well curated, mm -hmm. excellent like sound and all of that. And I was like, I really hope not. I really hope that's not the future of partying. I need to see people in real life yeah. and thankfully as the pandemic has lifted we've realized that 
digital is not a substitute really for yeah, real life. Yeah, they both have to exist together. And I think yeah. you've managed to do that really. You had Box Out which was digital, it's yes. online. Yes. And then you had Box Out Wednesdays which yeah. were the you know events that you did where there was that real Life. It's like a boiler room vibe. Boiler it's room like vibe. Everyone yeah. grunging against each other, violently talking to each other, like, yeah, Wednesday chatter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a vibe. It was a vibe of S Delhi. Still a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. We vibe. moved to a bigger venue. Uh, it's like at Oro Kitchen and Bar, it's like four or five hundred people every Wednesday. So Summer House used to be a little t smaller scale. Yeah. But now it's like actually a club night, you know, which is uh, ongoing, it's thriving, it's on its own, it's a functional machine. Uh, I guess uh, post-pandemic as a collective, as an organization, we started to focus more on exporting music. Right. Because we spent the first five years archiving what's here. Yeah. Now we've developed some talent. We found some talent that deserves to be... I knew that would happen. I knew that this guy would be seeked out like, oh my God, this guy has like an encyclopedia stashed away on a website. <laughs> like, can you... So you must have done some amazing socially driven projects as yeah, well. Yeah, and right? with the focus of sending Indian artists outside of India. Because again, like Box Out Wednesdays primarily features international DJs. Like the curation of that is foreign DJs, different genres every week. Uh, now what we're doing is sending people outside of India because I feel like the quality of music has reached a certain level uh, that it, it's relevant anywhere, you know. There's great Indian artists touring the world right now, performing everywhere. Uh, the output, the, the quality has skyrocketed. That's, I would say, the, That's amazing. the current situation. Yeah. And I think we sense that as well, like just observing the scene, we also sense that there has been a huge explosion in terms of the quality and the variety of people that are now yeah. on the scene. Yeah. But most of it's interesting now because, you know, you went from somebody that was like kind of like just doing like people's friends parties mm. to like proper musical management projects, club events to now kind of like being a cultural ambassador, like yeah. you're like kind of like curating yeah. uh, and getting together the representation of Indian talent to put yeah. on a world stage. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's a pretty impressive journey, right? Uh, yeah. Do you so sometimes look back at it and wonder, like, how did I end up here? Or did you... Uh, <laughs> how did I end up here? I know it's because I'm like... Driven. I guess like always, not just maybe arrogant in some ways that are like <laughs> allowed me to find some path in all of this, you know? Like, I... I kind of like, I want to prove some things wrong. If you say that it's not going to work, there is a way to make it work here. Yeah. And maybe 10 years ago, I wasn't the way I am now. But yeah, like, I guess finding that bit of like love, uh, connection of passion and balance between what you do to continue pushing forward because I'm not doing this for a financial gain. I'm yeah. definitely doing this for like a... Uh, a bigger purpose like of uh, change mm. across everywhere every medium whatever we participate in and that those small moments like those wins allow you to go uh, keep going uh, I feel like you're setting it up for like a lot of younger people mm. who want to come in to be a musician join the yeah. music industry you know join the event space of the music industry join the curate so for them what you're setting up do you think it's going to be a viable full-time profession in the future 
it, it will take time. It will uh, obviously, like... Uh, it, it what are the steps? Like, if I'm a 12th standard student, right, okay. and I have, I have... I'm an incredible musician myself, mm -hmm. yeah. but I want to work in the music industry. Yeah. So you may have taken those steps so what, through your sure, journey. Maybe sure. you could tell, like, what would today's kids journey look like if they wanted to join the music industry and yeah. you have to start from the basics yeah. like sometimes yeah. you have to do the dirty job as well you know yeah. i mean I, all the work is important work at yeah. every scale and every level because everything matters at the end and that's why the attention to detail is what creates such amazing experiences uh for people to to know that you want to work in every aspect of it so it could be working at a venue where you're assisting a sound engineer you're assisting a curator at a venue. You could work at a magazine where you could go take pictures at a gig, write a small review for the show. Content, yeah. Social media. Artist is, management. I would say artist management comes much later yeah. because first you have to like experience right. it. Right, so there, it's like a phased out thing. First there's one layer of jobs that yeah, you do. Like gigs. And, yeah. Gigs is the first, I would say. Mm. That's an early stage. And then marketing and then creating the content around these gigs uh now kids are pretty like advanced you know it's not like how it used to be there's like kids are in there like 20 21 year old kids running agencies having uh clients across like um, different mediums so working in the music industry you'll find the way but i guess just having some experience, whether hmm. it's at a venue or at an agency, will help hmm. Hmm. finding that other thing. Me and Mo were talking about uh, how when you need to, when you want to make a full-time profession in the music industry, you start off and then there are certain gigs that to do. And uh, while the dog came, me and Mo had a conversation and he told me something really interesting that you should and try everything because you never know what you might eventually want yeah. to do. Yeah. So, and, and that was for you as well that that happened? Yeah, I, tr I did everything, but I also have to do everything because uh, <laughs> there's a specific type of like output and quality control that, you know, I, I don't know. I have definitely like some areas where I'm really good at, but there are some things that I'm still improving and learning. Uh, but it's important to know all the different areas. And that's how you can troubleshoot and find ways to resolve yeah. conflict or a crisis or... A, technical difficulty and all these things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think that tends to happen because there are of course the glorified parts of like the music uh, industry right like which would be let's say artist management mm. and you know putting everything together but the grit work is there and you have to be willing to do that right to get to the fun yeah, stuff that's a fun yeah that's uh, I think people like assume because we work in like music events that it's a fun it's a fun job but it actually is more work than any other job yeah. because we're going against the odds. We're trying to do something that no one else has done before. So you're almost like facing difficulties with every aspect of things that you do. But a lot of young people just want that party side of things. You yeah. Know? So that's why it's important to, to really, I mean, to, to be serious about it. If yeah. you want a job in the music industry or even exploring it you should give it like a full-on try not uh, a lazy attempt in doing something yeah because yeah. that won't work and i mean we've seen that with all our friends that are in the music 
industry when they're at work which would be at a you know it could be anything it could be a party they could be DJing at like an event it could be anything they're in work mode yeah they're not in party mode at all yeah. they're very clearly in work mode and then it's party mode once the work ends sure. you know yeah. once you're kind of like off for the night yeah. Correct. but while you're there it is completely work and I saw this at the you at the art fair mm. I see this with everyone who's like in the music industry any creative space the ones who are good at what they do mm. are very clear about like putting that work cap on you when they need to, to. yeah, yeah and I to. think that's very valuable advice to people that might be tuning in and yes. are looking at entering this industry I have a completely unrelated question that I just thought about and we were like talking about how um, things grow in India right mm. and how things have developed and I was just thinking about the fact that like sometimes when things get big in India and when they actually like start being profitable that's when they stop being good and I'm seeing this because we were talking about magnetic fields and I remember being there for a couple of years and there's not a criticism of mm. like magnetic fields at all it's still a fantastic festival and yeah. they're doing really well but when it was not well known it was like very a lot more intimate sure. and because it was Even a lot more intimate artists, right? it was some, fun yeah, yeah you yeah. got to ch ch hang out with the artists yeah. you were like you know you kind of like yeah. there was a vibe okay. with the hundred people that were there and now that they're successful and they're much bigger yeah. that intimacy kind of like goes away sure. and I this obviously is something that's the world over as things grow sometimes um, I don't know like but that's the sadness with the artists also like sometimes yeah. you find independent artists and like wow they're so good so raw I love them yeah and then the artist wants to be signed by a label yeah. and then they get signed by so many independent South Asian artists that I used to absolutely love as soon as they got signed by the label I stopped listening to their music okay. yeah and it's like a really important role that sort of independent um, sort of labels or independent projects are doing in kind of keeping the music but it's such a sadness it's you know? hard it just to make dies. Sense. it's like it, it's not maybe making financial sense for it to stay small it isn't small. It, it, yeah. it doesn't actually work yeah. like uh, mm. the only way to make it continue yeah. is for it to kind of take that growth like that trajectory of catering to outside of your friends yeah and I mean I'm seeing this from a personal level because I think it's one of the most fun weekends that I've ever had in my life yeah. was magnetic fields the second year of magnetic fields it was just like that right magic of like well organized not too big yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just a very special crazy. moment and I think yeah. like for me also now that I look back at it I realized that the Indian music scene has really come of age that we have like festivals like that that yeah. are happening that are you know that there were people that I've met at like not just magnetic but other festivals that have flown in from other parts oh, of the yeah, world yeah. to party in the desert yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like a destination thing it's people a come to India because of magnetic fields yeah like, and it is that's a pretty pretty special space to be in now yeah, yeah. Um, more anything left to unlock like now that you have you know Anika kind of like was asking you about everything you've done and then she was like oh legend I think she used that word kind of like just to I sort like of casually doing legend stuff <laughs> casually <laughs> doing legend stuff just because there is a big roster what you've achieved but yeah. anything like kind of like on the bucket list wish list on the bucket list wish list definitely like for the next kind of phase I'm gonna be like taking more of a back seat from the logistical management side of things and doing more music work well, I'll be like producing artists, releasing music. I've done the the admin part for a long time, so now I'm kind of looking to be more creative with the kind of work that I'm doing, rather than just managing and planning things. I'm going to be working more on music, which is the purpose of what I started to do this, do this for. Whole, the, yeah. 
So now I'm just kind of going back to the... So you did hip-hop, you did reggae. Yeah. You've done um, electronic music. Yeah. yeah. Now what? Music. Genre is, is now... Oh, creation of some genre? No, just... <laughs> creation. Uh, like, no, no longer like in a box, you know? We box out. That was the whole thing. Like, don't box <laughs> us in, you know? True to brand. Huh? Uh, we want to just, you know, make pop music, make happy music, sad music. I don't know what genre I it is. I think pop needs to come back. Pop no, no, pop no, 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 no. Pop, is pop, is, pop never went out of. Yeah. yeah. True. We're kind of like done with pop. Yeah. Thanks to people right like now. us. Yeah, we're. Yeah. So, yeah, music, definitely. Well, that's a good space to be in. That you can say that, like, instead of doing as much of the admin stuff that I'm doing, I want to, like, I have the time and the space and the capacity to. I'm going to make the time. Yeah, okay. I don't I think he has the, the time. <laughs> I don't think he has the time. He's been saying this thing about I'm going to leave and make some music. That, this was earlier this year that I heard him say this to me. Yeah. And now, he, you know, he's still saying this. So I don't think he has the time. He's a very busy man at our hands right now. I'm pretty sure he has seven calls to, you know, call back after this I know. Podcast. It was the funniest when, like, Mo is walking in and he's, like, on the phone, like, coordinating an event. A voice message. <laughs> a voice message. <laughs> He's like, like, give the man a walkie-talkie someone. You yeah. Know? yeah. We have like a show in Bangalore with a Dutch band that's touring India at Echoes of Earth. Then we have Matt Star Bass in Bombay. We have some artists from Northern Ireland that are coming. I'm flying to Dubai on Monday. So it's there is like... Uh, multitasking, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It's, uh, you have to check the calendar to make sure it's the right day and date. When it's you like you're going to pick up your phone right now and you'll have like 20 notifications. I don't about. want to pick up my phone. <laughs> good, good. Because we're going to have a drink after this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for joining us. I think we're out of time. And um, yeah, this was fun. This was fun. It's, uh, it's nice. It's nice that Anika and I are also in a place where like we can speak to people who we've known for 20 years mm -hmm. and we're like, whoa, you've accomplished so much. Sure. Like it's, that's also a nice that's feeling. That's nice. And I think that's, that's the thing about our age. We all have reached that age where we've been doing what we've been doing for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And now when we look back, we can reminisce about Elevate, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a good space sure. to be in. <laughs> By the way, Aditya and I met each other at Elevate. Oh, oh damn. Yeah, I forgot about that yeah. part. Marriage is a mate there. Yeah, <laughs> we met there. We met there at, a, at an event, actually. So, yeah, thank you. Shout out, Elevate. <laughs> thank you, Elevate. Uh, definitely nice to be outside and having this chat together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for joining for us. Home. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in.